Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hi. I'm Yusuf Dahl, and when I was 18, I was convicted of selling drugs. For the past three years, I've had difficulty finding housing because it is legal in the United States to discriminate against individuals that have a past drug distribution conviction on their record for life. It doesn't matter if it was a hard drug like heroin or a drug that's now legal or partially legal in many states across the country like marijuana. The Thurman Amendment was introduced to the Fair Housing Act in 1988 by segregationist Strom Thurman, and it's since been used to deny housing to all people. But because people of color are disproportionately jailed for drug charges, we are affected more. My goal is to overturn this amendment to start an end to housing discrimination that unfairly targets people of color. If you would like to join this movement, please visit ThurmanAmendment.org to learn more. A message from the Fable and Folly Network. Okay, so you had just opened the metal door... And you looked past and you saw that um, the walls and the ceiling were all made of metal. And along all of those walls, you'd seen uh, like dozens of, of cocoons of webbing. And from there, there were cat ears poking out of one, cat noses poking out of another. It looks like this is definitely maybe all cats. Could we go up to one and see if? If they're breathing, are they dead or? Okay, yeah. Um, you can go up to one. Um, do you want to cut it open? Pull it open? Yeah, try to cut it open around uh, where it seems like that. Like if there's an ear or a nose, like where the face would be. Do any of you have like a dagger or a sword? I have a dagger. Same. Okay. Um, then you can kind of pull your dagger through and kind of cut through the webbing. Also, um, Mickey will help cut as well with her dagger. Um, and you pull it, and you actually, as you pull it, you see that um, this cat looks like one of the cats you saw carrying the palaquin in Pugmire. Oh. Big, the big, beefy cat. And it looks preserved, but it's clearly not breathing. Oh, this isn't good. It seems like these things are just replacing real people. Mickey's like, that That might be why they were coming after us. Maybe they didn't want us because we knew secret. Maybe they wanted to replace us. Oh, yeah. So can we assume everybody here is, what, they're dead? Are they food? I, I, I'm not a shepherd or a, a medic. I can't tell if they're dead or not. I want to, as they're having this conversation, start just going around and trying to see all of the faces that are here. Like, that sounds kind of grotesque, but I don't. Like, oh, peel and open, and it's me. Oh, shit. I, I want to I be able to, to see who all is down <laughs> here. You are the spider. No, um, as you pull aside, you just recognize the various kind of palaquin carriers. Uh, you see the three uh, uh, bandits you found in the forest. These are all going to be... Some of them are unfamiliar, but you do see cats you have seen before that either were corrupted by the spiders or changed into spiders. You also do see, as you get further down, you do see a couple of dogs, but none of them look familiar. Um, do we see any of them? Do we see any of the cats 
that we did meet in the tavern. <laughs> yes, the um, large tabby that you saw. Near the end, you see him. And you can't tell under the fur, but Mickey definitely looks shocked and maybe pale. That is Benjir. But he's uh, a mancer. Um, uh, what do you dogs call them? Uh, artisans. Artisans. It's it, a magic person. And ah. before you guys showed up, he was doing something, but I couldn't quite figure out what it was. At a time, I didn't pay attention to it because he'll go off and just do his own thing. But I remember he, particularly his specialization is illusion magic. Oh. And you know, now we think about it, the ship was gone, but we didn't see a ship anywhere on the river. Maybe they didn't sail away. Maybe they took the tunnels that we used to invade Pugmire. So if they came back through... They're probably down here somewhere, which means your king's down here somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, no wonder he didn't want you to talk about any of this. That's how he disappeared so fast. They went east, but maybe they just went underground. Well, then we need to move. Yeah. All right, so um, this is a wider kind of, of corridor. It's a really wide corridor, um, but it feels like a room that's very, very long. It goes in one direction. At the other end, um, there's an opening, kind of an arch. Um, and beyond that, you do see some lights, uh, but they're very uh, faint. On each of the walls on the left and right side, you see there are little dots of red light all along the walls. Not enough to really see by, but you could definitely make them out. Uh, does that seem... Like something I would have known or heard of. You're pretty sure it's magic. Beyond that, you can make an arcane roll to see if you can figure out more. Yeah, I'll sure give it a try. Um, and yeah, you can use voracious learner. Okay. Nat twenty, and <laughs> and, and technically a nat one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a good thing for advantage. <laughs> um, B. Wow, your guys' dice, man. Right. So, uh. Definitely magic. You remember, uh, particularly when you started working with uh, Revington, you started looking into specifically ancient traps and trap structure because it's something that you thought Revington might find useful in mean, his work as a ratter. Um, and you remember that um, there's one magic where basically uh, it's, it's actually a beam of light that you shoot from one place to another place and a beam of light it has knowledge. And if you interrupt the knowledge of the light beam things bad things can happen the light is somehow aware and if you interrupt its awareness it can become angry and cause things to to shoot out or fall or collapse or open or what have you okay do you see those and i'll point them out mm -hmm. we can't interrupt the beam of the light oh and also um you remember one venture mentioned that if you throw dust in that uh the, the knowledge has to manifest itself briefly is there dust in the hallway interesting point let's talk about uh rucksacks for a second um so the way pugmire is designed is that you're assumed to have whatever makes sense for your characters to have so you have what's obviously just on your sheet but if you ask for something like in this case would i have a bag of dust on me you can make a wisdom saving throw to determine if you would pack dust. Oh, if you succeed, you go, oh, wars, yes, I remember to pack this. It's now something you have. If you fail, then we narratively established no one brought dust with them. Nice. Okay. Yeah, and I think it makes sense, like, if you researched these traps to tell me about them, it makes sense that I might be the one to to have the dust. Yeah, yeah. Um, so double check, make sure on your sheet uh, you're rolling against your saving throw, not your ability, because sometimes, some classes you get bonuses for saving throws. So go ahead and make your roll. We'll call it 17. Uh, so I rolled a 16, uh, but that gets me to an 18. Nice. Okay. I rolled that as you said it, and it turned up 16, and I went, oh, no. Oh, wait, plus two. Okay. Hooray, <laughs> bonuses. Um, okay, yeah, so um, Tass mentioned that. You go, oh, wait, I think I brought some of that. So you throw the dust into the air, um, and you see that the air is now full of red beams of light. Um, some of them are going from one wall to the other wall. Sometimes they're going at an angle. You are able to kind of 
potentially work through them, but each of you will have to make a uh, dexterity roll using traverse to see if you can get through it. Difficult to be 15 for each of you. Oh, no. Oh, no. And you have one fortune left. Okay. Uh, I will try to, to lead the way. Nineteen. Um. So you kind of slide and and wiggle around each of them, but eventually you make your way to the end of the hallway and the other side of the lights. And I will turn back. I feel like, boy, who's the most clumsy of us? I have the traverse skill, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, so I will, like, once I get to the end, again, I'm going to turn back towards Tass, and I'm going to say, hey, if you stick to this side, um, it looks like that's low there, but step high. Um, and so he'll get a, a D4 that he can add to his roll. I dig it. Jacob, would you like to go first? Yeah. <laughs> Six. My die was on a 19 and then rolled to a three. Oh, no. <laughs> You do have one fortune, or do you want to accept the consequences? I almost hate to use the fortune, because then Tass has also got to... Like, if it was the last person... Yeah, but this is going to set off... Well, I, I guess I'm assuming that this will set off for all of us. Yeah, yeah. That this will be a problem for all of us. Um, if it was just me suffering a consequence, I'll take it, but we don't know that. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take the hurt and ho- and hope that it's only going to affect me. <laughs> so um, you start to make your way through, um, and there's some really tight spaces. You're kind of squeezing through, but luckily you have experience going through awkward spaces, your experience as a guardian. But right near the end, you just... You're, you're, you're not quite paying attention to where your tail is compared to everything else. And so your tail kind of sweeps right through one of the beams. And right across from you, the wall actually opens up to a small hole. And a metal bolt shoots out and hits you. And you take three points of piercing damage. You get close to the end, you think you're going to make it so your tail starts wagging because you're excited. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe I'm pulling this off. Wag. <laughs> oh, are you Okay. Yeah, no, that that um that wasn't so bad. I could probably take eleven more of those. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to put a number to it. Do you want to let uh, Mickey go next, or you go next? Yeah, Mickey, show me the show me the best path here again. Okay. Um, she gets intervals advantage because she has secret cat stuff, and so she takes another handful of dust and throws it up again. Make sure and kind of. You, know, you see, like, you know, putting your paws up and checking between the fingers to see what the angle is. And then she just starts jumping, like, bouncing off between the walls and off the ceiling and jumping over through it and just makes it through, like, flipping and leaping all the way to the other end. Tass, do that. I just, I just can't. <laughs> she showed you the path. Just follow uh, her path. And I'm going to follow her path. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, remember you had the D4 as well. Yep. 15. That is what you need. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God for that D4 and rolling a four on it. Oh, nice. You start to slide under and you pull your hand and uh, everyone's like, no, 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 no. Like, oh. And you're going to make your way through and, and <laughs> listening very carefully to, to Revington and everybody else. But eventually you do make your way through. <laughs> awesome. I imagine losing balance and almost tipping over and just mage handing myself like just a little hand at my back, mage <laughs> paw to hold me up like, oh. Oh, okay. So as you get on the other side, um, you see that there's um, uh, another kind of, it's a smaller archway, more like a normal sized door. Because the last one was just again, a huge metal door that was probably opened. This is a more normal sized archway. Um, so you probably a couple small dogs or one big dog through it. Uh, and the other side, there are no more lights on the walls. The walls are still the kind of metallic uh, metal as opposed to rock. Uh, but you see that there's um, an open pit kind of in front of you, like a square 
pit, and then there's edges along the side. And if you step up and look over, you can see there are spikes at the bottom of the pit. Oh my god. What is this for? Giant spiders? Like for them to throw us into? I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind of sheepishly like tracing my toe on the ground <laughs> looking at it. I, I don't know, man. I'm, just, I'm doing, I just felt like, I mean, you. nobody else was answering, so I felt like. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> it is. It's very disheartening when you ask a question and everyone just stares at you. I appreciate the answer. <laughs> Jake, I'll give you a fortune for, for trying valiantly to help so much. <laughs> you just, you're such, you're such a good dog. You're such a good dog. In this room, we see the the metal walls and this pit with the lip and the spikes. Mm-hmm. Do we see any other any other like doors or hallways in here? Is it too dark to see further? Uh, here we see much for beyond the pit um, because all you have is a, a flickering torch to work by. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the, the the lip on the edge is it's wide enough for a, a dog to kind of slide along. How deep is the pit? From what you're standing at, maybe about 20, 30 feet deep. Oh, yeah, that's deep. It's not the depth that gets you. It's the spikes. <laughs> let's be fair it could be both that's yeah, true i guess the spikes become more prevalent <laughs> the further the depth yeah, is I, I don't remember how long it takes to reach terminal velocity for a dog but we're gonna find out <laughs> we're gonna learn today <laughs> oh boy um all right i assume try to skinny along this this lip i have 50 feet of rope is there anything to which i could tie off a rope in this hallway not really uh, uh it, it, the metal is kind of smooth along the edges um if you were to uh say like a dagger or something kind of wedge it into the metal you can try to do that because the metal is not solid it, it's like there's like almost like slats of metal along the wall. So there are wedges between so you can theoretically maybe wedge like a, a dagger or something else that's short and spiky into between those. Maybe, I mean, we could either try to like go down into the pit, but that way we're just moving kind of between the spikes, not falling onto them. And then, well, I don't know if we get the rope back up the other side or the first person across could kind of take an end of the rope with them and then we could have it wedged on both sides so that everybody's at least got kind of a handhold to make I, this a little easier. I mean, if we all go down there and can traverse the spikes, I can get one person to the top on the other side. Hell, I can stay up here and hold the rope like to let everybody else climb down first. And then you could start getting somebody up the other side, toss the rope over to them. Everybody can climb up the rope on the other side. And then I just have to try and navigate this pit. But that'll be fine. Uh, like, I feel like of these options, like I'm not going to be able to pull myself over on a rope. But I could skinny along this edge. I don't know how you guys feel that you personally would be able to best traverse. I'm going to do better climbing a rope than I am skinnying along a ledge. Yeah. So maybe I'll take the rope and skinny across and see if I can find something to, to attach it to so you can climb or... I have no earthly idea how I'm going to do this. I also have a 50 feet of rope. Um, so if we can make like two wheels at the far ends and then make like a ski lift thing and just pin Tass's shirt to it and wheel him across. Because um, you, you said you can get yourself up uh, or you can get yourself down. Technically both. Okay. But if we can optimize, yes. that would help me out. Mickey, if you're okay with this, if you and I try to go across and then... So while you're talking, uh, Mickey grabs the end of the rope and then jumps across the other side of the pit. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. But now now what? Okay, so we've got a rope from one side of the pit to the other. Now, and I'll take out my 50 feet of rope, you can lower Tass down using this one. Uh-huh. And then I'll skinny across and we'll attach your extended rope across so that you can you can climb and then Tass can navigate and then you can pull Tass up on the other side. That works. And then I don't really have to do much of anything. Sounds like a great plan. 
Okay, so you lower Tass down, I and do I'll I'll sneak across, and I'll try to get across as well. I lower Tass down. So who's doing what first? Are, are you lowering Tass down as Rev goes across? Is Rev waiting until Tass goes down first? Oh, I imagine I imagine it's split camera. These things are happening at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then, uh, uh, so make sure I understand. Jake is holding the rope for to, to let Tass down on the front side of the pit. Yeah. And then, meanwhile, camera cuts to Revington getting ready to start shimmying across. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, Tass, you're being lowered down. Tie a rope around your, your chest and start to lower you down. And so, naturally, you're looking up. Uh, just as Rev is about to step on the ledge, you see that up in the ceilings are more spikes. And they're specifically lines just for the edges of the pit. Revington, 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 there are spikes above you. Hmm? There are spikes above you. I'm going to stop and kind of look up. Yeah, you look up and you see that um, basically... Where the pit is, there are no spikes, but the ledges alongside, just on each of the sides, there are spikes. And also you can see they're faintly glimmering, like the like a, a yellowish glow, or maybe a crackle. Oh, God. All right. That seems... Are you continuing to drop uh, Tass down at this point? <laughs> I, f- for, this ex- for this exact moment, no. I think he's just hanging from a rope over the edge okay. that I'm holding on to. <laughs> so it's kind of like Mission Impossible, like hanging in midair. Yeah. Yeah. Red. I don't I don't like that. What do you what do you think? I don't I mean she just jumped across and she did it and nothing bad happened. Yeah. So it seems like if you touch the ledge, oh, maybe you die. How far is it? It's about um 15 feet across. And is that something dogs are capable of jumping? <laughs> you could try make it a roll. Cats get advantage on these kinds of rolls. Yeah. Cuz they're cats. Does it help if you do it on all fours? I'll give you an advantage on your roll if you run across all fours. That means you can't hold anything in your paws. Fair. Fair. Okay. Uh, all right, yeah, I'll I will step. I will like take my foot away from the ledge, and uh, I'll get some some distance and get down on all fours and start to run and try to jump across. Okay. Are you still lowering Tass at this point, or are you gonna wait? To- I'm gonna drag Tass back up over the lip before he does this, just in case it sets off all the spikes in every direction. Okay. <laughs> um. So you're gonna drop on all fours, Revington, and run across. Yeah. Uh, you can make a dexterity roll. If you have traverse, you can use that as a skill. Difficulty is going to be nine. Is this is not a saving throw, is it? No. If it was a saving throw, I would have made it. Uh, so <laughs> okay. that would be a seventeen. Uh, yeah. If it looks like he's not going to make it and he's starting to fall, I want to cast feather fall. Okay. Uh, so um, you start to fall over, and suddenly it's like uh, Tass like ah, it takes die six and shoots out, and, and suddenly you start to fall gracefully to the ground, and you see the spikes slowly coming up towards you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you don't really have any control over your fall so the spike goes right towards your head and then it goes through your head completely and nothing happens and you realize that the spikes are all an illusion what the fuck and like I turn and look at them like as I'm on the ground and I just start like putting my head through the spike yeah you can clock through and see that He's just moving. It's like bad clipping in the video game. He's just moving right through it. Oh, well, come on. This makes a lot of sense. I was thinking, how did like new warriors get across this? But all right. Well, come on down. The spikes are fine. <laughs> and and actually, um, uh, on the other side, uh, you could see like the side that was closest to you when you first showed up, it's sheer down. But you had a chance to look at the wall as you're falling down. There are actually handholds so you can climb back out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Nope. Just, yeah, go down one ladder and up the other. Just ears down and tail tucked. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, I wasted a spell for that. So you make your way out of the pit. Um, and then now you're the other side of the pit. Um, the, the corridor kind of goes into murky darkness, but you make your way through. And you do see that uh, you are coming up towards uh, a pretty 
big now wooden door. It's a double wooden door, uh, very kind of ornate uh, iron uh, edges, like around the lock and around the th where the plates are for the um, hinges. And so there's lots of like scenes. They're faded over time. It looks like they probably were or cats or maybe dogs with swords and shields. They're facing each other across the door, like, you know, an ancient battle where both sides are on either side of those doors. Um, and they're kind of in a nice, uh, uh, the metal walls, but they're still in the kind of an archway. So obviously the doors are built for this archway. In front of the doors, there's a huge circle built into uh, the, the metal of the floor. That looks like um, wire, almost like copper wire has been edged around the, the circle. Uh, and also inside there's kind of this ornate intricature of, of, of curves and straight lines. Tass, you don't even have to make a roll for this. This looks like it's probably some kind of summoning circle, but you can't really tell it. it with a flickering torchlight, it's hard to get detail unless you like put your face right up next to it. I do have to get close to it. Yeah, because it's just so hard because between all the metal and glinting, you have to get like, the torch right next to it and your face right next to it before you look at it. I guess I will. I don't think I would know any different. So yeah, I think I would want to do it. I would say when your personality traits almost encourage you to find new knowledge. Wouldn't that be the case? Yes. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. I'll give you a fortune for that. All right. Um, go, but you can make an arcana roll um, and you can use your voracious... Learner. Okay. Boy, that's bad. What'd you get? 10. Wow. Well, you just got a fortune point. You want to spend that? <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I feel like in this moment, kind of have to. Okay. Yeah, I think I have to try. Go ahead and roll one of your dice. I, that's way better. How's a 24? Much better, yes. Okay. So uh, two things strike you almost immediately. Uh, first is earlier we were talking about how there you saw legends and tales of how uh, the ancient ones were able to reach across dimensions and actually pull things across to them. Um, you feel like this circle is very likely one of those things. Um, this is probably a circle that was created to allow something to go, someone to go to another place or not to come from another place. Uh, the second thing you immediately notice is that it's broken. Um, there are chunks of wire that are just missing. And you wouldn't have noticed it by just staring down. When you get close, you see that like there's tiny little gaps all around. So this thing is starting to crumble and decay. So it doesn't work anymore. Okay, so this seems like circle made for sending or receiving. Like you could travel through it somehow. But it's just there's too many pieces missing. It isn't going to work. Are they like pieces that might be down here? Or is it just like decayed and broken? I mean, you could just get copper wire and remake it if you wanted to. Yeah, if we have some wire, I could I could reset it. Well, I mean, we could search around, see if we can find any. Any idea where it would take us? No idea. Um, if, but I mean, if this is the way through, it stands to reason that that's what it's here for, is to either get literally to the other side of this door, or it could be, I mean, it could be anywhere, really. Well, let's look around, see if we can find any. Do you want to open the doors on the other side of the circle? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you step on the circle, probably a bit trepidatiously, just to be absolutely sure, but nothing happens. Um, and then uh, there's big handles you can kind of just push and push open the doors. Um, on the other side, you see nothing like you're expecting. Um, the walls have turned back to hewn stone. They're no longer metal. The whole room is circular, uh, and there are stone benches on each side of the circle, almost like a, a amphitheater. And the place is easily, you know, 60, 70 feet across. In the center of the stone floor is a huge image uh, uh, carved in of a black paw that you don't recognize. Uh, and around that is more of that kind of copper wire. On the opposite side of the big stone paw, there is a huge stone throne. 
the throne itself is it looks like it's old the style of the way the carvings are working are definitely older but it still looks like it's in really good shape so it hasn't been used in a long time or it just hasn't decayed as much as like the the walls and the stairs you've seen previously so it's in really really good shape and it's it's larger than you would expect so if a, a dog or cat sat in here they would be a little smaller than you expect in this really large throne on either side of the throne you see a solid almost kind of iron statue of a cat with uh, swords in its paws and the swords facing up in front of the cat's face. Huh, this is not what I was assuming would be through here. Um, as you look around, um, Mickey starts s staring at the symbol on the floor and she starts uh, touching her nose, which is an ancient uh, symbol of warding against protection to make sure that you know someone is safe and secure. Um, and she's like, I, I recognize that symbol. It's the, the ancient, the missing house, the, the forgotten house, the house that was never spoken of, smiled on. And like, what was their story? They just, they vanished or? They, no, they were stricken from the records. Um, when we first met, I told you about cats are very important by keeping secrets. And this is one of, this is our biggest secrets. There was a seventh monarchy, but they, their leaders fell to the unseen. They were corrupted. They were decadent. And they tried to destroy the other monarchies. So after their leaders were killed, we stripped all reference to them from our history. No one should know these even they even exist. This must be one of their ancient, I guess, courtrooms, looks like, or, 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 or audience halls. What is this doing in the labyrinth underneath your nation? I don't know. I don't know. No one's ever mentioned this. And it's something, well, I suppose if they found it, they probably wouldn't talk about it because we're not allowed to speak about it. So for all I know... Generations of my family may have heard about this place and it's never spoken of it, but I've never heard of it. Right. Or every soldier that came down here to test their metal, that maybe that was part of it. Like, did they speak of this? What are the big cat statues made of? Oh, uh, look like iron. Do you walk up to the statues and look at them more closely? Uh, I just wanted to go knock one of them over. Okay. As you go to walk up to one of the statues and try to shift it, um, you just see that behind the throne, there's another big gob of webbing and you can see a, a, a small pug snout sticking out of it. Oh, I think it's him. I'm going to rush up to it and start cutting through. Start cutting it open? Yeah. Okay. Um, as soon as your uh, dagger starts to go into the webbing, the two metal um, statues you hear are kind of chink, and pieces of the statue start to kind of fold and collapse into themselves and start to spread out, and eventually they become these metallic-looking spiders. Oh, man. I knew, I knew these were going to come to life. I'm just pulling out my hammer. <laughs> go ahead and roll initiative. I have a 20. 14. 9. So I get to go first. Well, actually, you know, uh, uh, Mickey might roll higher. No, she doesn't. Okay. Uh, the metal spiders, uh, one of them is going to uh, skitter, skitter off up one of the walls and towards the ceiling. Uh, the other one is going to attack Task, because Task is closer. And it is going to... Uh, hits you. Uh, one of the legs actually whips down. It's covered in a huge gob of web webbing, uh, and it hits you in the head for a twenty-one. Can I impose disadvantage? Oh right, yes. Okay, that's right. We can do that. Um, let me try again. Well, good because the other roll is natural twenty. So. <gasps> oh well, I did my best. <laughs> so that's still gonna hit. The the, the non-natural hits, not the natural twenty. So first thing it's gonna do is it's going to roll for damage. It does uh seven points of bludgeoning damage as it knocks you inside the head. Ooh. I need you to make uh, either a strength or dexterity saving throw, whichever one's better for you. Difficulty 15. Okay. He's like, are you sure you didn't say charisma? <laughs> <laughs> I don't do it. 10. Okay. 
It, when it hits you in the head, um, your eyes and your mouth get covered. You can still breathe, but you're not going to be able to talk to be able to cast magic. Oh, okay. The spiders are going to choose someone else to go next. Uh, this, the other spider, as it cl- climbed up to the ceiling, uh, you see that it's going up towards uh, a hanging bulbous form hanging from the top of the ceiling. Um, and this creature looks like it's... It looks kind of like one of the spiders you saw before, the... Um, you know, the, the, the actual big spiders that popped out of people. But this one has metal bits grafted onto her. So, like, one couple of the legs are metallic. Um, on the head, part of the face is actually covered in metallic and using uh, red uh, light eyes as opposed to the normal kind of red eyes it has on the other side. Uh, and it is going to start uh, screaming and chittering at you. I need everyone to make a wisdom saving throw difficulty 13. <laughs> I'll make one for Mickey. Mickey rolls a one. I got a 13. Three. Oh, I got 18. I will tell you, uh, before you decide you want to spend fortune, um, if you fail, you will become charmed, which means that you will do what the, what the spider creature wants you to do. Now, your main attack is magic, which you can't do right now anyway. So do you want to spend the fortune to try to get a better roll or ride it out? You'll get another save at the end of your next round. I mean, she can't make you do anything useful right now. Yeah, I've still got so many slots to hurt you. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, as long as you're in the webbing, you can't. Oh, that's true. That's true. you can't talk. I think I'm going to take it for the moment. Then um, uh, she kind of starts chittering and then starts screaming and squealing. And it sounds almost like, you know, um, and uh, Tass's ears perk up um, and eyes get glassy. And, and the rest of you notice this. Um, same thing happens with Mickey. Mickey also, her ears perk up and her eyes get glassy. The... Uh, Giant creature is going to choose Tass to go next. Uh, Tass is going to try to take the webbing off of his mouth using his knife. Uh, so you go ahead and make the roll. Um, what is your, let's call it strength? Yeah, it's that's not good. So, okay. 11. Okay. Um, you're able to actually cut a, a gash around your mouth so you can kind of move your mouth more. Um, but that's to take your whole action. Okay. Uh, so at the end of your action, you can make another wisdom saving throw. Yes, I would love to do that. God, seven. So you're still controlled. And so choosing for you, uh, you're going to decide that Mickey goes next. Uh, Mickey is going to leap over and try to stab Revington. Yeah. With a natural 20. Oh, Mickey, no. We were fast friends. <laughs> we were starting to bridge the gap between cats and dogs. Um. So uh, she stabs you for 10 points of piercing damage. And uh, you are now uh, sickly because there was poison on the blade, Whoa. Uh, which means you have disadvantage on your attack rolls and, and ability checks. Fair. And now she chooses you to go next. So with a bonus action, is that something at the end of your turn, the beginning of your turn? Uh, how bonus actions work is that um, uh, every turn you get a you can move, you have an action, and you can take a one single bonus action if there's something that allows you to use a bonus action. So you can't use a bonus action for anything. It has to be specifically I'm using a bonus action for X. But when it happens, your turn is up to you. Okay. So I have a bonus action that I can try to hide as a bonus action. Yep. Um, so what I'd like to do is like run around, like use my movement to run around the statue. And as I get behind it, hide so that I can, essentially what I'm trying to do is set myself up to have the, the bonus, the precise strike on a target. Yeah, um, because you've leveled up your trick to be able to do that. You can literally just hide and attack immediately. So, yes. I have to get a, a 10 to hide, I believe, according to the, the skill. Uh, I got a 16. And in fact, um, you already rolled, but for future, you get advantages to hide because it's a dark, shadowy place. So, Oh, cool. Um, and then now you have advantage on your attack. Uh, so how does this work? But that counteracts your disadvantage. So if, if you have advantage, disadvantage, it cancel out to a straight roll. Okay. 
uh, 14. Oh, so I'm trying to shoot the uh, the screaming spider on the ceiling. Okay, uh, 14 is not going to be enough. Do you want to try to spend a fortune to get a better roll? I'm trying to disable her. I'm hoping that if she gets hit, maybe she can't scream. I think it's worth it. Okay. Okay. Worse, worse, much worse. Okay. And I'm like coughing. I've got this poison in my system. Jake, Jacob, you got to watch out. Mickey's, there's something on that thing. <laughs> uh, Jake, you're up. You're the only one left. All right. I am going to look at Revington and say, next time you should consider dodging the knife. And I am using inspiring word, (laughs) 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 which means that you can roll one of your stamina dice to regain hit points. Okay. A two on the die. Um, And then I am going to... I don't feel very inspired by that. (laughs) I feel like you you might be mocking me. Suck less. (laughs) <laughs> get good noob get good scrub get good noob GG no re um, I can't do anything about the two that are on the ceiling and there's one in front of you but there's two on the ceiling uh, I'm just gonna I wanna I wanna knock Mickey out you try to do that um, basically what you do is you can make a normal attack roll but you can say in lieu of damage you're gonna give her the unconscious condition okay go ahead and make it roll I'm assuming you're not here with her hammer obviously but uh, 13 that's enough um, she's not hard to hit um, so you kind of use the I'm, I'm, like, let me just you're actually probably male fists at this point because you have heavy armor. Um, and she's going to clunk her in the back of the head and she just falls unconscious. Good. Um, so she has the unconscious conditions. She cannot take actions, bonus actions, free actions, or reactions. She can't move or speak and she's unaware of her surroundings. And she falls prone. So she'll be unconscious until something makes her not unconscious. It is top of the rounds. Um, Jake, you can decide who goes next. You can choose yourself if you want. I think I am going to choose myself. Okay. Because I want to run over to Tass and grab him and clap a hand over his mouth so that he can't cast anything until he's back in his right mind. He's going to make a strength saving throw against you doing that. Um, I'm almost positive your strength's more, so he'll give you a disadvantage. Oh, thank God. Sorry, part of that cut out. I missed the end of it. Nine. Okay. You fail. So um, he now ha- you now have him grappled and a ma- hand over mouth. I'm just saying, snap out of it. We can't deal with you and these spiders. Who's going next? I'm assuming Tass. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tass, you could try to break out of the grapple, which would be another strike saving throw. Okay. At disadvantage. Even better. <laughs> uh, what's a two get me? <laughs> the other was a nat 20. <laughs> uh, I would have suplexed him. <laughs> so in, in the weird backwards state we're in right now, two is the best roll you could have made probably. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, no, you're struggling and you can't get out, uh, but it is the end of your turn. So you can make a, another wisdom saving throw. Uh, 15. There you go. That's enough. Oh, thank God. So, um, Jake Tass is struggling, struggling. And then something just kind of goes limp. And I was like, let me out, please. Yeah. Can I just let go of him? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, so Tass, who goes next? Um, I, I am gonna, I hate to put the spiders at the end, but I need something to be done about them. I think I'm going to go ahead and give it to Rev. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm trying the same thing. I'm behind this giant throne. So I try to duck around the other side again and, and get myself hidden, uh, an 11 to hide. I've got my disadvantage advantage going on. 18. That is enough to hit. I'm assuming you're shooting at the large spider. Yes. The, the shrieking spider woman. 11. So your arrow goes through and um, you've, I mean, over the past week of this adventure, you know, your arrows have just been generally really true. You just nail them, nail them, nail them. And this is another example where you just feel it, it's going right in. Um, but something weird happens is that it, it goes into her kind of her thorax area, kind of the abdomen-ish area. And it passes like halfway through, but then you can see it kind of 
catch on to something and starts to, to bleed around the area. It's almost like she's not entirely there. She's like kind of half there and half not. Huh. But you did do some damage. You did hurt her. But it was just, it actually went further in than you thought it would have, should have hit before it actually started giving some kind of damage. So for mechanical purposes, she is resistant to uh, at least piercing damage, which means she takes half damage. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll shout that out. Like, hey, whatever she's made of, like some of it is just, it's giving before these arrows sink in. Uh, and I think... Uh, I mean, it's the spiders now. Is she still chittering? Uh, no, she has stopped. Okay. The salt spiders are going to go. The one on the ground um, is going to try to go after Jake because does not like Jake anymore. That's fair. Uh, and it rolls a three. So um, the f- web's fist kind of comes down and just just completely misses you. Um, looks like it's a little unsteady on its, its legs. The second one starts climbing back down to the ground. Um, but it, does, it can only get down to the ground. It can't actually close and attack you yet. So it's still just kind of standing there. The large spider, uh, she is going to just drop on Rev. She's going to let go and just fall onto Rev. Oh. You can make a dexterity saving throw. Yeah, please. <laughs> and I have, this is my saving throw that I have a proficiency in. Uh, 17. Okay. Um. So... You kind of, almost like half an instinct, you duck away as uh, this this creature kind of just lands on the ground. And again, like, the way she kind of bounces after landing, you can almost see, like, you see through almost parts of her. Like, like she's not entirely there. Um, and the way she lands is much lighter than you expect this big, giant creature to land. Otherwise, she's on the ground, and she did what she was trying to do and failed. So... It's top of the round. Um, the spiders are going to choose themselves to go because they're assholes. <laughs> um, the giant spider is going to try to take a swing at you, Ruff. Uh, 23? Oh, yeah. Right, um, the hurt claw kind of goes into your head. Um, and again, it kind of passes through into your skull. So it's actually, actually not piercing your flesh. Um, and you feel parts of your mind being ripped out. Uh, you will lose four points of wisdom. Whoa! <laughs> so as a note, if your wisdom goes down to zero, you will die. Or start dying, I should say. Okay. Um, and you see that the the wound that you gave her earlier is now healing up as a result. Uh, the spider next to... Well, actually, there's two spiders on the ground now. So one's going to attack uh, Jake and one's going to attack Tess. Let's do that one. Oh. Um, one attacking Jake rolls a 25. <laughs> yeah. So that does six points of bludgeoning damage. And you make either a strength or dexterity saving throw. I will make a strength saving throw. Okay. They pulled these 15. 14? That is not enough. Um, you have one fortune left if you want to spend it, but otherwise you will not be able to swing your sword arm. I do want to spend it. Is that okay with everyone? Yes. Yeah. 17? Okay, that's enough. Um, so you see the webs kind of start to crawl over your arm, but you pull your arm out and, and manage to rip it off before it gets too far like fossilized, as it were. Nice. The other one's going to attack Tass. And it rolls natural one. Um, so um, it tries to go for you again, and the webbing actually starts to backfire and go up the arm. So its arm is now immobilized. And it's, it's, it's kind of wobbling a bit, so it's a bit unsteady. Um, so I'm going to say that it is stunned for this round as it tries to tear its arm back apart. Uh, so they're going to choose, let's say, Tass to go next. Oh, I had a whole other plan, but if this thing's sort of stunned, I think I see an opportunity here. So I'd better try to acid arrow this thing. Okay. Uh, that is a 22. That definitely hits. Awesome. Uh, so that takes nine acid damage for the moment. Uh, you basically kind of, again, a, a, a gout of acid comes out from your D, your D6, um, and the head of it actually melts and starts to collapse. Doesn't seem to be impacting its ability to thrash around as much, um, but certainly it's, there's a lot less of it there than it was before. Okay, um, 
Could I actually use a bonus action to cast another spell? Uh, does the spell allow you to cast with a bonus action? It does. Okay, let's go ahead and cast it. Uh, yeah, I want to hit Jacob with Suffuse Weapon. Mm. What does that do? Uh, that gives you a plus one to attack and damage mm. while I concentrate, as long as I concentrate on it anyway. Okay. The hammer starts to kind of a white glow to it. Uh, who goes next? I think I am throwing that to Jacob. Okay. I am going to run over to the spider that's attacking Revington. Uh, Thank God. <laughs> is it still like holding him or anything? Uh, uh, no. Um, it looks like basically kind of the claw kind of went through his head and back out. He just looks shocked and stunned. Um, not in the mind controlled way you saw earlier, but more just like distracted. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll I'll run over there. And uh, I'll say, hey, stay with me, man. All right. If we stick together on this, we can take these things out back to back. Charlie's Angel style. Let's do it. All right. And I am going to use my second charge of inspiring word so that you can heal uh, another stamina die. I love that Charlie's Angels exists in this world. Somehow. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> a- <laughs> and how does the uh, the condition like from the poison work in the sense of trying to heal that? You have to find a way to to remove sickly. Um, if you want to, you could spend your stamina die to just say you're no longer sickly instead of taking uh, um, stamina dice back. I think I want to do that. I, I need to get rid of this disadvantage on my on my attacks. So, okay, so then um, your inspiring work kind of encourages you to, to shake off the, the, the malaise that's hanging over you, and so you kind of work through it. Uh, and then I want to clobber this monstrosity. Make sure you add your bonus from the infused weapon. Uh, 25. Oh, yeah, that hits. Seven points of damage. So good news, bad news. Um, the bad news is it is also resistant to bludgeoning damage. The good news is it is not resistant to magic damage, which your weapon now is because it has been... Give it a spell. Yeah. So um, you swing your hammer down and um, uh, the light actually kind of glows and you feel like uh, um, the light's almost filling in gaps in the spider. So like where it's just kind of see-through before, the light actually kind of fills it in and you can feel the give under your hammer as like it hits clearly onto metal and flesh and you just smash its head open completely. There's not only that kind of, of weird greenish goo you saw before but also there's like sparks of lightning coming out of its head um and just spraying out into the sky the other two metal spiders immediately um seem to turn like almost see-through and then disappear and you have a dead metal flesh spider and the other two metallic spiders are just gone okay what is happening but they're not like just invisible or something suddenly are they uh, can I try to smell about and see if there's any essence of that invisible magic that I knew? You smell around, smell magic, and um, it's not invisibility. It's just they have somehow completely disappeared. Okay, no, they're they're not here. They're they're gone. Okay, uh, go over and and continue trying to cut the pug that we saw out of the webbing. Cut through, um, and you do see pretty quickly that this is uh, King Puckington. Um, he is a, a fawn pug, uh, a little older, there's a little bit of gray in his fur, but not too much. And he's also unconscious, probably even a little doped up. Uh, you eventually also wake up uh, Mickey, and she's clear of the um, mind control that was happening to her. Uh, so she's coherent. And you take Puckington and Mickey and you head back through the fearful forest, take him back to Pugmire. Is there another king on the throne when we arrive? <laughs> no, no, no. You get back and Yoshi has been kind of acting along with um, uh, Puckington's uh, brother, Seneschal uh, uh, Murrah. Uh, they've been kind of handling the, the king's business in in the stead. And that's basically the, the adventure as it is. Uh, I'll give you some backstory, if you like, as to 
what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, this was definitely a plan to try to replace various leaders between both Pugmire and the Monarchies of Mao to start a war. So they replaced uh, one of the most warlike of the cat uh, dynasts and replaced them. Um, and the next step was to capture Puckington, make it clear that Corat did that, but then Puckington would be quote-unquote rescued and then replaced with a spider clone on the throne. Oh, did we do that? Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is, you, you got the right one. Oh, we got there in time. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, uh, the spiders are actually from a different dimension. Um, that was the reason why the, the spider queen actually was kind of half here and half not is because she was dimensionally stuck between. Nice. Um, and so they're trying to get more and more people to uh, aggressively attack each other and whatnot so they can use those bodies and that life essence to store, like uh, they're storing those pods, to eventually get enough essence to bring her completely through this dimension. Oh, ho, 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 ho. What of the big cat who we think was already replaced by a spider? Oh, um, after you left and came back, he revealed himself to be a spider and they killed him. When the queen was killed, apparently all of the remaining spider clones burst out and started revealing themselves to be spiders. Ah, Poor big cat. <laughs> so he were all teeth. of those other cats dead for sure? Yeah, basically, um, the spider clones have to keep a uh, a copy of the original body to draw from, draw information from. Ah, uh, um, So it has okay. to stay around and intact so they can still replicate it. Um, and if, if it decays, then that decay will show up on their flesh in their disguise. Mmm, <laughs> gruesome. But we stopped it from happening more, so that's the good thing. It's true, it's true. And that is my good, clean, fun game of happy dogs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Eddie, once again for running us through Pugmire. If our listeners would like to find you and your work, where should they go? Best place to find me is at uh, pugsteady.com. Um, that's where I have all my information about the various games I've worked on, my social media accounts, and videos I've written. Um, if you want more about Pugmire specifically, you can go to realmsofpugmire.com, and that will show you to where you can buy a Pugmire and all the different Pugmire products we have out. The Crit Show is a Crit Show Studios production, edited and produced by Brandon Wentz with music by Jake Purley. You can find more information about us at thecritshowpodcast.com. To keep up to date with upcoming live shows, contests, and other special events, follow us at The Crit Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For even more weekly content, join us at patreon.com slash thecritshow. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hi, we're the narrators of Midst. What's Midst? It's very simple. It's a weird surrealist fourth wall breaking, reality bending science fantasy space western about a small doomed planet floating in a cosmic ocean of spooky darkness. Upon whose alien landscape an ensemble cast of characters, including a crotchety outlaw, a freakishly virtuous cultist, and a diabolical businessman, make awful decisions and fight like hell to survive when the moon falls out of the sky and a large number of terrible things happen in rapid succession. It's exciting, it's funny, it's scary. It's got neat sound, weird music, amazing visuals, and every episode comes with bonus content you can read and examine. Midst is performed solely by yours truly as the three of us narrate all the action, play all of the characters, and bend a lot of the rules about how telling stories is normally supposed to work. Midst is pretty fun, very strange, and it feels like VR for your brain. We believe you'll enjoy it, or maybe you won't, but there's really only one way to find out. You're going to have to listen to Midst. Midst.